Hello and welcome to the Story X Story podcast, where we discuss stories across pop culture, plus give you advice on creating your own. It's episode number 55, or LV, if you are coming fresh off the Super Bowl. I watched the halftime, up to halftime, and that was it. Anyway, it's the start of season three, we're back, and I am your co-host, Nigel. I am Tazzy, content creator and co-host. And our guests for the first episode of season three, our returning guests, known as Laura and Donovan, because that is their names, digital <laughs> marketing advisor and creative producer, Laura and Donovan. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having us again. It's great to be here. Yeah, thanks for inviting us again. No problem. Um, but you are actually responsible for this episode, so it's only right that you turn up and um, take ownership of that. For all good reasons, though. So we'll get that to that. That makes me happy. Good. Yeah, we'll get to that in a moment. But um, yeah, so Laura and Donovan were both with us on episode 40, where we talked about anime adaptations. So if, you're, if you have not checked out, have a listen, uh, hear us rant for a little bit about taking anime from one medium into live action. Uh, it's good times, good times. Uh, you can also subscribe to Story X Story on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts from. As always, you can send us your feedback and questions to feedback at myamada.com. Drop us a line in our Discord. We have a new Discord. Or on social media, at myamada on Twitter, at myamadatees on Instagram, or at Tazzy on both. Let's start with what's happening in the Myamada universe. Since this is the first recording we've, uh, we've had since like December sometime a lot is happening so that's the that's the short summary like a lot of is happening which is good very th thankful for uh for things happening and moving so i just wanted to highlight a couple things that in particular that we are working on so if you've been watching our videos that we've been putting up on youtube or joined us for our last gamepad event you would have seen we have launched a new membership called studio 77 the, the name will become more apparent the more we do so uh, for anyone wondering why that name and that number uh, stay tuned so this is our new platform for more gamepad events activities and general content from the Maya Matter universe we're starting now and we're going to be building up with different live stream events um, and ongoing things from month to month so it's essentially our way of bringing just more things to see and do as part of what we do with Gamepad and MyMatter. So this month we have a indie developer interview coming up, plus our first games night where we will be playing Among Us, Tazzy, myself, and some members. And it's basically gonna involve people telling me how to play Among Us and then everyone getting enjoyment from that. I'm pretty sure that's how it's gonna go because yeah, I've not played it. I'm one of the very, very few people apparently that's not played this game. I do have it on my Switch. I am I'm ready, but yeah, we'll we'll see how this goes. Um so yeah, you can check that out. That's gonna be at the end of the month on the twenty fifth and the interview on the eighteenth. So check out Studio seventy seven. Uh stay tuned, we're gonna be doing more stuff um in and around our gamepad events. From the manga side of things, I just wanted to let people know if we have any of our Kickstarter backers listening or just anyone interested in the next Mayamada manga, we are working on it. It's called Serious Through the Fog and it was something that we kickstarted last year. I can't remember when because time is all a blur, but definitely at some point in 2020, we did 
kickstart this i remember clicking the button to launch that kickstarter in 2020 um so this is a story that has been i guess inspired i don't like using that word because it feels like the wrong word but for lack of a better word it's been inspired by the pandemic and it's um, my take on the things I've seen through the pandemic, things I've uh, felt and experienced through the pandemic, putting that into a story using the serious characters, because that is a story that in some way um, parallels the My Matter journey in a very loosely creative licensed way. So I thought, what would happen if these characters who are also on this journey, this entrepreneurial journey um were faced with a pandemic and how would that affect them business-wise how would that affect them personally so it's an effort to process my thoughts because that was a big part of it and also produce something that focused on positive lessons and outcomes so like all things creative through the pandemic it has been delayed but it is being worked on we are or i am writing uh, the script and looking to start the artwork later this month into March and then released sometime in spring. So we also have some uh, work experience students uh, who have joined us who are working on concept art and learning. Um, I think in each case, it's their first sort of work experience, which is the idea. And that's been an interesting uh, journey for me as well, just having to communicate that remotely in the midst of a pandemic. So uh, yeah, it's a, there's a team behind this, we're working on it. So yeah, stay tuned for that as well. And I'll be keeping um, updates uh, on the podcast and also on social media in our Discord when we start doing artwork um, for that story. So that's what we've been working on so far. That's some of what we've been working on. You'll hear more in future episodes. But let's get to find out what's happening or what everyone is enjoying story-wise this week. So it's now time for our spoiler-free discussion about what stories everyone has been reading, watching or playing. Uh, and we'll start with our guests. So Laura O'Donovan, do you want to let us know your story? Okay, now that you've said spoiler-free, I'm just doing some mental editing. <laughs> but, um, we've actually been watching quite um, an array of things. I think it kind of comes from being stuck inside for such a while that you end up watching kind of everything on you know the list that you yeah. said you'd eventually get to. Mm-hmm. But the thing, my favorite thing about it is that it's been so from one side to the next. Yeah, it ranges from gritty real-life movies yep. to... Uh, just sappy, just, fluffy, yeah. sappy anime. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, one thing I've been watching recently is um, an anime called My Love Story. I can't even tell you how far away this is from my taste in anime. Typically, it is about a um, a high schooler named uh, Takeo Goda, and it's about him in high school having his first romance, his first girlfriend. But the thing that sets it aside is he is also like six foot, looks like a thirty year old man, and is built like a sumo wrestler. And a lot of the humor, the genuine heart that comes through it is more authentic than I've seen in any anime like this in quite a long time. And do you know what? Sometimes you just need some sappy fluffiness, Mm. I think. And this did it for me. I think with this, because, yeah, I was uh, was sat watching it. I totally wasn't invested at all, you know. No, I I definitely (laughs) dragged you along, didn't I? But the thing with this is like it, it, it's, there's no um, unnecessary hijinks and there's no like, 
characters who are just X or just Y. Yeah. It's I love real... that phrase, by the way, unnecessary mm-hmm. hijinks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? There's it's like, totally I'm, true, though. I'm making stickers of that. <laughs> it's one of those like, oh, listen, this is why I don't watch these kinds of anime, because it's always the misunderstanding trope yeah. or the trope where something goes wrong out of nowhere, but there's none of that. Yeah, there's absolutely none. It's, it's like a very realistic love story and you kind of just bound for them to like be like oh yeah just just go and ask her out or just see what just just see what they're saying it's very cute it's it is very cute and it's it's quite wholesome and and that is kind of the thing that keeps you balanced in a way you know yes, what i mean I uh, think so. just watching some of that's easy to digest and then what have you been watching because that's oh equally wholesome so the title is a bit off-putting blood iron orphans yeah. <laughs> so i've been watching uh some gundam uh yes. blood iron orphans and uh with Gundam, it, it's it's kind of a good sort of anime that has mech in it, but it, it applies itself to sort of real life... Uh, war stories. Yeah, war stories, and, and it's more grounded sort of thing. So this one follows like a band of orphans who kind of join a... Well, they kind of make themselves into a rebellion so they can get yes. freedom from Earth because they live on Mars and they're being oppressed and whatnot. This is the stories that's been going throughout the Gundam series for such a long time that yeah. trying to... Sum- is a yeah, challenge it's, it's, in itself. It's very tough and dense, but like, um, I just needed some like some really good action. But the thing is, I wasn't expected to get so invested with these characters, yes. and it's kind of like Game of Thrones, where you don't want guy from side A to kill guy from side B, yes. <laughs> because neither one is wrong, neither side is 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 bad or, or evil. They're both kind of doing stuff which they believe is great for exactly. either Earth or or, or for, for Mars. Mars, yeah. And a, um, yeah, it's it's a it's a wild ride, and it's 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 honestly ace, and it, it rips your heart it, out. Yeah, it does rip you in two, but it's it's worth a watch. It's uh, a really good show. So that's yeah, kind yeah. of uh, the <laughs> literal <laughs> we've been watching. Yeah. But you know, you, you're watching both one at a time, yeah. and it balances it. You know, yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> I'll just sit sobbing, um, watching Netflix yeah. while watching these tragic and fluffy shows. You've got your like upper and your downer. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, they both sound pretty good, and uh, I might have to watch them to my ever-growing watch list that I'm watching <laughs> loads, but somehow never getting through. Like as many as I add, uh, as many as I watch, uh, there's there's a, an equivalent number to add. <laughs> <laughs> so I rarely ever talk about games on this podcast, even though you know I'm kind of like the resident gamer from uh, us hosts. But I played through finished playing through Alien Isolation which I started in October for like my Halloween month game and then took a massive break because I was playing it so frequently and I'm not good with horror so I finally got around to finishing it uh it took me like double the like estimated playtime for it so uh (laughs) that's just to let you know how much I struggle with horror games it's a horror it it takes time I mean we played a little bit of that as well and most of the time we're spent screaming and hiding behind pillows so yeah um so it did take me like two hours to get through this bit that I think supposed to take like 10 minutes so (laughs) (laughs) um I so this this the reason why I brought this one up is because I did actually really enjoy the story for this game uh, mm. while I was hiding and screaming <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> running away. But the I was so gripped and, like, compelled to carry on. I wanted to know where the story went. I wanted to know what happened with the characters because uh, you're following Ripley uh, and you're trying to find out what has happened to her mum who went missing and you're, like, looking for 
you've been sent on a mission and it involves a black box from the spaceship that her mum was on. Mm. Anyway, uh, so you're like full on this journey. I really want to know what's going on. I want to know what's like happened to the place, the the space station you've kind of like come to. And like all these different characters again introduced. But then I found the, the ending so disappointing. Oh, really? Oh, no. We've we yeah. not got to the ending yet, no. but really? Yeah, I'm not going to like say why, but um, like the actual, like, I don't want to spoil say any spoilers, but the, I'll tell you the emotions that ran through my head. So <laughs> I don't know if this, I hope this is, this, the, it leaves you on a bit of a cliffhanger. Oh, oh, damn. Is it is it like can I say is it sequel baiting sort of thing like is yeah it... oh, oh, damn it. yeah like oh. most annoying cliffhanger ever and also like for me I was like this game is too intense <laughs> to leave me on that kind of cliffhanger and that's why I was oh. so disappointed I'm like my like I had a heart rate monitor or on like the last um, <laughs> like in the last session of of streaming it and. Um, like my heart just was not calm at any point playing that game. <laughs> so for a game that leaves me in like constant fear and anxiety and like in a constant state of stress. Not even to give you a good ending. That's yeah. beyond cruel. Like literally, if they shaved off like two seconds of that game <laughs> I'd be happy and it, it would have still been if they had it would have still been like uh, left the opening for a sequel mm-hmm. but in a way that if you wanted to in your head leave it with a definitive ending mm-hmm. you could like it, there, would, there was space for the imagination but the way they leave it is like no you've just introduced like a, a new thing and it's literally oh. like a second like it just they could have shaved that one little thing. If you want to know what I'm talking about, um, for anyone that doesn't like mind being spoiled, um, I will be uploading a video of like my last playthrough, and you can like skip forward to the ending of that where I like just react to the ending. Because oh boy, it's such a good story, and then I just got so disappointed. And it, <laughs> if I'm watching it as a film, would have been fine. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that you're playing through, like. I screamed so much in this game. <laughs> and I feel like at, there's so many points where it feels like this is an end. And then you're given like, there's a, there's a new complication. Like, if you're like, okay, finally, like, it's, it's like the game's finished and I no longer have to go through this ordeal. And then it's like, bang, like something happens to complicate things. Which is like great for the story, but when when it gets to the end and it still doesn't like give me a closing, it was so hard. My heart just couldn't take it. I was so stressed. I felt like I was stressed for no reason throughout the whole of the game. <laughs> no, that that sounds about right. We um, God, how many hours do we get in? Oh, I can't even tell you. We played it a lot, but it's the same situation. Uh, it would be like we'd have to get through a corridor, but we'd get killed by an alien or uh, an android would, would android yeah, androids are the worst <laughs> they're horrible they're... I w- I'll keep it very short but there was one instance with Donovan playing it and he accidentally got caught on the scenery oh, yeah. and this um... android slowly closes in and I'm not I just about threw the controller into the screen oh, no, it, 
It was horrid. It was I, I'll say it once. I've said it once, but I'll say it again. That the androids are actually the most scary thing about that game. Yes. <laughs> Fully support you on that one. Yeah. I feel like when the alien, if you, you know, if you know the alien's going to kill you, you know, sorry, if it, there's, there's obvious tells that the alien's going to kill yes. you. But with the androids, you have that, it's like they give you a little bit of hope. <laughs> <laughs> that you're gonna get away or you can defend yourself yeah yeah and they progressively get more dangerous oh, and more like more of a, a a risk um whereas like the alien is just consistent and, yeah. and i feel like you the, the alien like you know you know it like the alien just leaves you on like this this like anxious level constantly right mm-hmm. um because you're just like hearing it crawl about everywhere uh, but the androids, like, there's so many more jump scares with them. You think you're safe, and then you're not. Yeah. They're like, yeah, you, that, you think you can defend yourself, and then it turns out, like, you can't. When you meet, like, more resilient ones, then you're suddenly like, oh, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, whereas the alien, it's more like I'm just sneaking, trying to sneak away. Uh, and if it does see me, like I'm definitely dead. <laughs> There's like you resign yourself to it with the alien, so it, it's almost like fine, so be it, come get me. But those androids, no, 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 please, let's not, let's not. And there's multiple, like, there's so many of them. They're just, there's multiple, constant, like, you know, if you see one, there's another one nearby yes. kind of thing. And you're just like, I can't deal with it. And they're sort of, their faces are creepy. Mm-hmm. Like, that stillness of, of an ad, and just... Uh, and they put they, you through stress, just covering all this again. Just, yeah. Well, <laughs> and they say nice things, but... They don't do my thing. <laughs> they're like, we're here to help you. And you're like, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'd, I'd like my throat back, please. That would be something helpful. Thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, great, great story. Just really disappointing ending for something that puts you through so much trauma. Uh, anyway, moving on to you, Nigel. Uh, what's your story of today? My story is a story of trying to pick something out of all the things that I've been watching <laughs> over the last... Let me tell you how that went. Um, no, so I, I decided to go with Queen's Gambit just because I wanted to talk about that because that is a great miniseries on Netflix. If you have not seen it, I highly, highly recommend it. So just to give you how much of an impact this has made, I am now a chess app player. Um, it it made me go and get a chair because so this is a story about uh, an an orphan uh, Beth Harmon who's played by uh, Anya Taylor-Joy who Mm -hmm. I know from oh man uh, Peaky Blinders that's her old name almost escaped me but a series called Peaky Blinders which I really enjoyed she came in on that um, but she's the lead here and she plays this orphan Beth who at a young age I think about nine uh, in the orphanage, she meets the uh, the custodian or the caretaker, if you're here in the UK, um, who teaches her how to play chess and discovers that she's actually a chess prodigy. And the story is a period piece, so it's I think it's set in like the fifties, forties or fifties, somewhere somewhere around there. And it's about her sort of growing up as a chess prodigy, as a female chess prodigy in a um in a game dominated by uh, men and it's a story about addiction as well mm. uh, and how she's navigating that world like the world herself um it's just it's a great story I, I liked it from the beginning just because uh the character she plays is very introverted 
um and i sort of like connect with that and i like this idea of this um uh people perceiving something of you when you are introverted and then kind of showing them so you know she's going to her first chess tournament and because she's a girl they're like you know what are you doing here and the girls play in this little corner here and she's actually i'm better than all of you <laughs> but you just made this <laughs> assumption about me um so i like that but then the way they've managed to like the cinematography in this is the way they've managed to frame chess which is you know i mean chess is a, obviously it's a, it's a good game but in terms mm -hmm. of drama they've, they've managed to add drama and emotion to chess that in itself should just be celebrated because all the games they play so apparently they've got some um, real sort of chess they play out real chess games uh they got is it gary kasparov the um, chess champion as a consultant oh, wow. they wanted him to be a character a particular character but uh, i think he declined that but they had him as a consultant and so the, the chess moves are chess moves and the way that each game is framed to bring out the emotion, the the stage at the plot, so showing sort of doubt or fear. And because like, Anya Taylor-Joy has like, these big eyes, she just does well in conveying that uh, emotion. So a lot of the focus is on like people's faces and reactions to situations in the game. And she does that so well. But even outside of that, as you see her navigate this and well, I won't say too much, but she becomes really good at chess, basically. <laughs> um, so I, yeah, like I said, I needed to get this app because it's been a long time since I had played any kind of chess and I'm watching the game and I'm like, like I remember these pieces, but I need to, not, not that I need to validate these moves that they're making, but you know, I just wanted to know which piece moves where, which piece can move uh, and to take that piece. So I was like, I got the app just to know the basics. And then I'm just like, now I'm just playing this app and I'm playing chess. Now, <laughs> let me set the expect expectations. I'm not good. Like I'm at the beginner. And I think it was last week I stepped up to intermediate and now I'm just being bullied by the app. So that's, oh, that's, uh, that's a lot of fun. But yeah, I do like, I, I now like the game of chess. It's an interesting, it's an interesting game. Uh, they've conveyed it really well in, in this series and I highly, highly recommend it. But that's the best kind of series that can take something that to an outsider doesn't appear all that interesting and they can convey a someone who does love it they can convey those feelings and those yeah. emotions through cinema and i think that's amazing so that you can you know kind of vicariously enjoy that experience of someone who has played chess for like this main character and then you start to understand oh this is what people mm. love about it this is what inspires yeah. people to do these things Exactly. And, and you kind of, yeah, you get to understand the game and just because they've tied it so well to the, the emotional stakes of mm. the plot at, at various places, it just ties in so well. So everything means something. And it's only, is it seven episodes? So it's, it's the story that needs to be told and no more. And it's just, it's just perfectly done. Wow. Sounds great. It is on my, like, my watch list along with, you know, Hundreds of other things. Yeah, <laughs> so, it's on that. <laughs> yeah, it's in that sea of uh, Netflix. Uh, play next. They are. They're coming out with so many uh, massive hits. Oh, really good hits. Smashing it. Like, really, like, really smashing it. Right. Yeah. Like this sounds something I would. I would never probably bat an eye at this, but it sounds really interesting and and like it's something that I would want to like check out. And like recently on Netflix, I've started watching. Sorry if I'm coming out here, but. You know, I've I've been getting into the Korean scene. Yeah, uh, oh yeah, as 
well and oh my god they have there's so many good individual like series as, as you mentioned like this one like it just seems to be like they're going into so many different genres now mm. different stories to tell different ideas and like and getting role. more wins good. as well yeah. getting more good yeah so yeah that is uh what i have been watching those are some of the stories we've been enjoying now let's get to our main story discussion after a word from our sponsor netflix no, I'm just kidding. We don't. We don't. We don't have sponsors. We but wish. if someone, but yeah, if someone does like want to, us, uh... if you would like to, and you liked how smooth that transition was done, uh, get in touch. Feedback at mymatter.com. Anyway, our next uh, story discussion. So we're going to be talking about Perfect Blue, the animated psychological thriller directed by Satoshi Kon and written by Sadayuki Murai. I hope I'm saying that right. I'm sure someone will let me know if not. So, spoiler alert, we are now going to go into spoilers and digging into all uh, all that happens in the story, everything it means from front to back. So, if you haven't seen it, watch it, because it's great. And, uh, yeah, come and join us for the discussion. So, before I do a recap of the story, uh, we will take a quick overall impressions from each person. So, uh, Lauren Donovan, do you want to give a quick take overall impressions about this story? Sure. Um, I, I've got to admit, I'm completely biased. This is actually my favorite film of all time. I love all of Satoshi Kon's work, but Perfect Blue was the first film I saw by him, and it's really stuck with me. Um, overall, I think it's a fantastic film. It's not perfect, don't get me wrong, but I think it's such a tightly packaged well done film especially for con's first film and it's one of those i think however many times you rewatch it you'll bring something new to the surface that you didn't before so i'm a huge fan of this film yeah uh, just just following up on that um i i watched this way too young and like it's it's one of those like it's you can you can take pieces from it and mm. you know it's always going to be timeless sort of thing I do believe the cinematography is top notch, despite yes. it being Khan's first movie. It's 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 amazing, but you can see some rough parts or like some parts he did better in in, in other films that he did. But definitely, if you like if you like films, if you like psychological thrillers, this mm -hmm. should be in the top five. It's an it's, absolute it's, must. It's an yeah, definitely. Okay, how about you, Tazzy? Oh wow! Like I've never. I think. I've seen like the um, the artwork, like just the cover art for this, and I'd never really seen or really heard of it much before. Uh, before we sort of like said we're going to watch this for for the podcast, and I had like no idea what I was getting into. Like I just I watched it blind, uh, as the saying goes. Um, Me too. I feel like there's a better, better way to phrase it. I watched it without uh, knowing knowing what was going to happen at all, what the plot was. And yeah, I was very confused, uh, but like on purpose, which is what was so great about this film. Um, and like that journey and that, that breakdown of everything. And I just thought it was like really well put together. And like the fact that I was confused, but it was part of like the storytelling of the story like it's kind of the point right mm -hmm. so i i say i was confused but i feel like i knew exactly what was going on when i needed to know what was going on if that makes sense like i was yeah. at the right place in my intentional confusion, confusion. yeah um and like also the kind of 
the weird relevance of it. You mean scary relevance? Terrifying relevance. Terrifying. Like this is this is especially if you're a content creator or anyone like sort of remotely uh, in in any kind of like not so much limelight, but you know, like people follow you basically. <laughs> if you have a following on social media at all, this is a absolute terrifying horror. Like <laughs> <laughs> worst case scenario yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, um, and it's so funny because it's kind of set. Uh, like when sort of the like computers and internet were just starting to get into people's homes and like to it's weird that it's so relevant (laughs) Um, but yeah no I thought it was a a great great film really really interestingly put together Uh, and yeah right level of confusion intentional confusion very well done so, like I said, this is the this episode is the responsibility of Laura and Donovan because I believe you recommended it on the first time mm-hmm. you came uh, on an episode, uh, and I was like, okay, when, I think you gave the the elevator pitch. I was like, that sounds good. The problem I had is that on that same episode you um, promoted your love of Street Fighter, <laughs> um, so. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I was I was wary. I was like, uh, I don't know. Can I trust these people? Do they know That's what they're talking cool. about? So, first of all, I have to apologise. Um, so, apologies because I, I did doubt for for a brief moment uh, your sanity, just general sanity, but also it's fine. Like, not everybody when you first watch a Street Fighter the oh. live action movie understands just how <laughs> nuanced it is. Sorry, go please. So yeah, so I came in uh, like Tazzy, other than what. Uh, I think Donovan gave the the pitch other than what Donovan said. That was enough uh, for me. It sounded interesting. And yeah, I I was watching this. I was drawn in. Uh, I now don't know what's real. Uh, Is this real? (laughs) Are we we doing a podcast right now? I don't know. Am I still sleeping? Am I, yeah, am I filming? I don't know what's going on. Uh, And I love it. It's like just absolute confusion. I think the the only time I've been that, (laughs) <laughs> kind of confused uh is watching like a christopher nolan film um mm. inception specifically so uh <laughs> which i guess is kind of also sort of technically intentional confusion but yeah i was just like riveted by it like what is going on like what is actually going on here and just trying to follow the the main characters sort of i guess just descent into mm. yeah some kind of some kind of madness the the misdirection uh in it is great the and it, it for me it it does what i feel um all good stories should should do is is keep you thinking about it once the story's done mm. um and i feel that's a that's a good thing to do if you're, if you're mm. making a story and people are thinking about it once the the credits have rolled so to speak then yeah you're in a good place so yeah we'll get into it uh, a bit more but what I will do is is recap the story for people who might need a refresher. So, the story shows us the life of Mima, one third of the J-pop group Cham. Nima decides to leave the group to become a full-time actress. Her manager and former pop idol Rumi, along with agent Tadokoro, land Mima a minor role in a detective drama called Double Blind. Some of Mima's fans are upset by the change in her career and persona from squeaky clean teen idol. This includes an unusual and slightly terrifying looking stalker who goes by the <laughs> alias Me Mania. 
In her home, Mimo receives an anonymous fax calling her a traitor and is later sent a letter bomb that injures Tadokoro. Mima also discovers a website called Mima's Room, which contains disturbingly intimate diary entries written from her perspective. Mima confides in Rumi about the website, but her concerns are dismissed, first sign. Anyway, Mima secures a larger part in Double Blind thanks to her agent. However, this involves filming a scene in which her character is raped in a strip club. Rumi is distressed by the scene and a drastic change in Mima's public image, but Mima accepts the role despite her own misgivings. Though Mima tries her best, the experience of filming the scene is traumatic. Between the ongoing stresses of filming, lingering regret of a leaving Cham, the paranoia of being stalked and an unhealthy obsession with Mima's room, Mima begins to suffer from psychosis, in particular struggling to distinguish real life from her work in show business. And this is where it gets weird. Several people involved in the so-called tarnishing of Mima's reputation are murdered. Mima then finds evidence that she is the prime suspect and her mental instability makes her doubt her own memories and innocence. After filming Double Blind ends, Mimania attempts to kill Mima, but Mima knocks him unconscious and escapes. Mimania later attacks Todokoro, and in the struggle, they end up killing each other. Rumi finds a shaking Mima and takes her back to Rumi's home. This is when Mima discovers Rumi was behind Mima's room and the serial murders. Rumi's Mima personality attempts to murder Mima to preserve her pristine image forever. And following a chase through the city, Mima incapacitates Rumi but also saves her life from being killed by an oncoming truck. Sometime later, a seemingly more stable Mima visits Rumi in a psychiatric hospital with her Mima personality now dormant. Mima drives away and looks at herself in the rearview mirror saying, I'm the real thing. I don't know if that's true, but that's the end. Um, so, yeah, I think, uh, Laura, you sort of touched on it where this is uh, Satoshi Kon's first film. And I have this in my notes, his first film, question mark, exclamation yeah. mark, because <laughs> what? Huh? How can you do that in your first film? Because this is amazing. It's, like he's, it's it's the kind of this is the 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 kind of filmmaking that makes me want to put my pen down. It's like what am I, <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> like because he just managed this. It's and it's not a long film. It's short, which I love. I love anything, especially with anime or anything anime related. Just keep it short, please. Um, so it's short. It's no waste, but it just keeps you engaged all the way through. And uh, I'm a big kind of fan of like themes uh, in stories because it's something that I am trying and making more effort to put into the stories and and really having a story like say something even that's even if that something is just absolute madness <laughs> it's, it's definitely said here um so I'm just yeah really impressed with this being his first um, attempt at filmmaking I know he'd, he'd sort of done other things before that but uh, just the way it's come out um yeah just so fantastically yeah, he actually did um, comic work before doing Perfect yeah. Blue. So he, this was his transition into doing a film. I'm not sure if you've, uh, you might have come across it uh, mentioned somewhere, but he, this was originally meant to be a live action film. And it was only because of um, uh, wider circumstances at the time, shall we say, uh, that it ended up being an animated mm -hmm. film. So it really uh, is. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's kind of just exists by chance in some ways. And we might have had a very different Perfect Blue had yeah. circumstances been different. Wow. That's interesting to know. And yeah, it kind of, it does make you wonder. Like there's always a, 
like behind some of the best stories there's always an, an interesting story behind the story and how they come about mm. but then at least in the case here it's like it, it seems to be for the best just in the way it's turned out it's interesting as well because um there is a, a, a behind a lot of these productions you'll find um an existing product like a manga or a novel or something there is actually an original perfect blue novel but it's got very little to do with the film of Perfect Blue. Mm. Uh, Con was actually only given three things that he had to keep intact. And he never read the book, by the way. Um, he just got told he had to have a B-list idol, had to have it horror-themed, and it had to have a stalker fan. And he kind of just ran with that and produced what we see in Perfect Blue. I've read the original book and it's fantastic, but I've got to admit, I prefer the film. That's interesting. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, it, I feel like he's really taken advantage of the medium. And I know like when we had our um, anime adaptation talk, I think that came up in terms of like taking something from one medium to another and then taking advantage of the, the medium you're in rather than trying mm -hmm. to replicate the exact thing you sort of came from. And it's very like the, like the symbolism um, here is, is so well done. And um i think i'm gonna put in the show notes there's a youtube video i don't know if uh, any of you have seen it but it's uh, the use of red in perfect blue oh yeah mm -hmm. yeah it's a fantastic video actually it does a really good job in uh highlighting some of uh, the use of red you know I, I i've seen i've seen this film oh my god so many countless times like i think i watch it at least uh, probably once every two or three years yes and it, I, until that video came out, I never knew how strong blues and reds are there. Yeah. I, I know it even says in the bloody title, Perfect yeah. Blue. <laughs> but I never knew like all the symbolisms, the driving forces and, and the, the sort of like warnings through, yes. through the use of color as well. And it's it's amazing how that, that's sort of like, it's a really good use of, of color theory sort of thing. I'd recommend anybody who's seen it at least once to watch that video because uh, you'll definitely pick up on some because some it's inescapable, it's use of red. It's right there, right in your face. but. Other times, it's so cleverly done that you don't consciously notice it. Yeah, and I, I definitely missed uh, a few until it was, it was pointed out. And you see, like the the use of it, but the sort of use of it in combination with different characters or different situations mm -hmm. uh, to have different meanings. Yeah, just very impressed with it. I might because uh, I haven't watched that video, um, but I also want to rewatch this because I watched it in uh, English dub. Mm -hmm. um so i i did want to go back and watch it in subs so then i i don't know if to watch the video first and then rewatch <laughs> it or rewatch it and then watch the video because obviously even just like needing to wanting to watch this a second time not just like i want to watch it uh a to just get the the japanese version but also to like rewatch it because so much happens in it mm -hmm. and like uh sort of reverse like engineer it kind of thing <laughs> um knowing the ending um so yeah i don't know that'll be interesting whether to watch it first what do you what do you all think should i i think it's um i think it's worth watching the video first actually um because, i think so yeah because it's like like i said I, I think this has been my sixth viewing of the film and there's still instances of its use that i didn't consciously notice mm. so i think um i think watching the video first and then keeping an eye out for it while you're rewatching the film would be a really good idea because um it just uses it in such an effective way that you know it's like good music in a film you don't always notice it because it matches so well with everything that's going on 
you're drawn into the experience yeah. and you don't consciously notice these things. Yeah, and watching it in subbed as well. I don't. I, I'm. 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 You know, d- bad dub and is a bonus. Good dub is <laughs> is all right for me. So like, uh, I rarely watch things in sub unless it's something I really love, and definitely follow it up with a with a sub uh, watch as well. I do feel certain things actually change a little bit if you watch it in sub. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's certain things that you you'll realize and notice as well. Um, we'll probably touch upon it later, but like, there's a bit in the ending. Yes. The the, the sub it kind of changes the meaning a little bit to what it is in, in the dub as well. But d- definitely uh-huh. watch the, watch the, uh, the theory video mm-hmm. and then return to it as well. It's always good. You know, that's, that, that you get your money's worth. Yeah, <laughs> so you do. Yeah. <laughs> watch your film multiple times and pick up little bit, bits of different little bits, bits of Bob's sort of thing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, just so many kind of touches where uh, I won't go through sort of all of them because um, you're going to watch the video, but it was <laughs> how red is used like to to chart uh Mima's descent into madness and mm-hmm. I didn't even notice how much red was necessarily in her room or even like the video pointed out the um, the letter bomb that was delivered um by a man in red um I mean there's a moment where she's chasing her illusion of her of herself and you've got all the people on umbrellas and then there's like one red umbrella and it just yeah when at the end she's when she's driving away she's driving a red car it's just like is it's just there and this is what i mean about like themes and getting that down so that you can make use of these different techniques and it's really when you when you watch something and like when the video kind of spells it out says this is how it's used like ah but then to actually make it to put it into your story to have an understanding of the story such that you can put it into effect those moments that's a that's a skill uh that is yeah <laughs> from uh from experience i know that is a skill that i'm uh, i'm working on so yeah i was really impressed with how it's done here you kind of turn into that do you know that one meme of leonardo dicaprio like pointing at the tv screen you'll start oh, doing yeah, that yeah yeah like, oh, it's red there's a red bag i did yeah. this thing where um, i after we watched the, the, that video we rewatched it mm. and i started pointing out random red things and it's like it's not it's not always something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like, what does the red handbag mean, Jonathan? What yeah. does that mean? It's red on the DVD box. Yeah. How, does that, how did he do that? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and then the other thing sort of, uh, there's so many things visually and we'll, we'll cover so. but the other thing I wanted to mention um, is that this doesn't necessarily look like an anime, so it's quite, like, subdued. Apart from red, like, it's very sort of subdued and, and realistic, at least sort of compared to... Uh, other anime there's no like extreme emotions uh extreme expressions um anything like that so it that sort of pulls you in and i think mm. the, for the type of story it is it all sort of works together even down to like um facial features as well mm. like more of a realistic take on on sort of like yeah on facial features i think the one comment I'd make about facial features is that there is a bit of a a spoiler in terms of if you start noticing how far people's eyes apart, you've got a yeah, good yeah. idea who, uh, <laughs> who might mean me my harm. <laughs> I was I was thinking that I didn't want to be rude and 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 point that out about Rumi, but when you look at it, her eyes were too far apart. Um, so, like, I mean, no, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I'm going to uh, talk more about like the symbols and foreshadowing and misdirection uh, at the end when I do this tip. But mm-hmm. since you brought up uh, 
Rumi. Oh, I'm guessing that was a, that was a, like a shot at Rumi. And, did and Mamania you... as well. Mamania yeah. has some interesting features. I, I was thinking if, if he's even human at yeah. He looks a bit like creamed out as well. Like yeah. he needs some vitamin D. He really does. Stayed inside too long. But um, interestingly enough, um, okay, so yeah, I'm going to completely reveal how much of a nerd I am about this film. I have like um, an ultimate like collection thing and uh basically it's got um, a transcript of these lectures that Khan actually gave on the 10 year anniversary of perfect blue Why? and he talks a little bit through the story and he talks about some of the interpretation of the film and he actually makes a very uh clear point of saying this is my thoughts it doesn't mean it's the correct interpretation it's just mine and he actually mentions the way that rumi and mamanya are drawn with the eyes further apart was a very intentional choice and it's actually meant to look like a sheep oh yeah yeah i see it is that supposed to be like sort of like how you know they're like following yes a sort of like you know not agenda but you know they're just they're just following blindly to what's been said like the the guy the stalker guy is, is following the blog and anybody could be writing that sort of thing. And, exactly. Uh, the manager is is following her dream of, of being an, an idol. I don't think it made it out that right. I think there's a throwaway line in the film where the uh, the male manager says, "Look, just because idol didn't work out for you doesn't mean we we can we should ruin Mima's chance." Yes, exactly. Yeah, I think that was like the only mention of her sort of past life at mm-hmm. all. It was just that. But yeah, that was a sort of big statement, especially yeah when you kind of look back. Yeah, so, I mean, with, like, the idea of people following, blindly following, because they're, they're ultimately both of those characters are following the person they feel Mima should be, mm-hmm. like, the Avatar. So, as I'm watching it, I'm thinking, like, this, and as you mentioned about it being a still very relevant story, this idea of the person that we see as, a, as an idol. Um, in that case, it was this pop idol um it could be yeah whatever sort of social media following it's this idea that's been crafted but the both those two characters believe in it so fully it just made me think like like who who are we (laughs) and this is where my kind of my own dissent comes (laughs) into it like who what what is life like who who are we because like mima starts off as this as the pop idol but she has her own ambitions and when she goes to pursue those she starts to lose a grip because like who is she people are telling her she should be this idol she wants to be this actress but then the thing she has to do as part of that mm-hmm. is that worth it does mm-hmm. it does it work and then what's interesting is that she she never really voices her like inner concerns publicly so it's only when like she's in her house and she talks about you know is this the right thing and the, i think the first time the projection of of the the character uh, Mima is in her house, I think. Mm-hmm. Like she comes out mm-hmm. at first in her house, and it's yeah, just made me think that like, how do we, yeah, how how much effort we put into creating this this idea uh, of ourselves and then projecting it out into the world, and and then people who believe that to be real. Mm. That's what freaked me out. Well, that's one of the things. There are many things. Also, her like like change of goals because she her goal was to be a thing. But then, you know, things happen. And it was like, I feel like acting and singing for her, like singing was the, this is how I like interpreted it. Like singing was the, what she really wanted to do. And acting kind of like, 
No, for Mima. Oh, for Mima. Like, because even when she's on the phone to her mum, her mum's like, oh, but singing's what you what you really wanted to do. That's why you went there. And then it's like her, like, being torn within herself, like, acting is something she wants to do. But, like, that feeling, and I think it's a feeling that I can relate to, is, like, letting go of, like, realising that there's there's a better chance of her making success in acting and, like, letting go of her singing career, like, a dishonesty to herself? Or is it just, like, a new choice? That she can make because you know she's she's fighting internally with herself as well it's not like singing something she didn't want to do well it, it you know there's a lot of things that point to singing being her her like first choice kind of thing yeah mm, interesting i didn't necessarily take it like, i took it the other way like singing was a thing she might be good at or she was because even in a conversation with her mum her mum did say this this is what you want to do but then i Again, I was taking that as like, is that really what she wanted to do? Or is that what the mom wanted mm. for her? Because mm. that's what I thought. I was thinking like everyone wanted her to be this idol, but she actually wanted to go and pursue acting, even though she can she can sing. At least that's, that, that's how I saw it. And I felt like because of the way it ended, um, and we'll sort of talk about the ending as well, it's like she, she seemed like, I think the ending is the only time she seemed comfortable and content. Mm. And again, I saw that as her then being comfortable and being an actor and, and where she was there. So that's, that's interesting. Yeah, like I don't think it's a case of her like not wanting to act. I just think it like what it came across to me is like singing is a passion of hers. And like that is what she originally set out to do. And uh, obviously like other people do have their like intentions for her. But it, it's not like she never wanted, like singing was her, was a passion of hers. And then it's like that flip between, between becoming an actor and like mm. another thing that she wants to do. I think it was like kind of more, she was a, just a passenger in the ride of it sort of thing. Yeah. And they, um, at that point, they, she, her managers push her to do more acting because it's down to survivability. Mm-hmm. And, you know, said earlier Nigel that this is painted this is like set in a realistic world like in the start she runs to just get on the, the tube to get home she gets home and a, a place is just a mess you know what yeah. I mean? and it's tiny <laughs> as well the bath is like oh my god it, it's, it's like a sink. it's a sink yeah. yeah and I believe that probably at that point she's just listening to her managers because you know they're older people and they kind of know what's for the best and with the managers um the way I saw the managers is like the, the guy was kind of like Look, let's look at survivability. Yeah, and then the the um, the, the lady Rumi. Rumi was uh was on about like you know oh let's the persona let's do singing singing's idealism. great idealism yeah you know yeah. that that's that's great she'll love that and uh, you know going around of the guy is is kind of just just where she fell herself into yeah. sort of thing just as five that's how I kind of saw it yeah I kind of see it as like a bit of like an not quite angel and devil but that kind of like conflicting internal conversation as well like there was this external thing going on pulling her in two different different directions but also like her internal choices and decisions as well i kind of saw it well first first of all one thing i want to say weirdly enough this scene when mima's talking to her mom is actually one of my favorite scenes of the film because there's a really subtle change in mima that it took me a few watches to see her accent changes on the phone to her mom and i'm not sure if you've come across an anime anime before but when they want to portray a character as having a southern accent or a, um, forgive me for this, but like a less well-pronounced accent maybe, 
they dub in a Southern accent. So Mima goes from this very well-spoken, very articulate accent to a more relaxed and what I'm assuming is yeah. her hometown accent. It, you know, for another rough term, it's like, it's like country, so yeah. like, you know. Country versus city kind yeah, of accent. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's that sort of parallel. And even I, you showed it to me the mm-hmm. other day and I was like, hey, up. I never realized that. Did you do yeah. that? In? <laughs> the reason I liked it so much is because even when Mima's by herself and she has conversations with herself, she speaks in her more articulate, like should we say, city accent. So she's either trying to put on her own persona, even when she's by herself, or she's putting on yet another persona to talk to her mom. So I like the fact that there's multiple levels of this persona that Mima puts on, even for the people closest to her in her life or even for herself. But from that, I kind of felt like, I felt like the conflict within her wasn't so much a which way to go. It was more like, I did want to be a singer. I was a singer and I love being a singer, but she needs to almost metamorphosize to grow and move into something different. And she's just as sad about leaving it behind, but also in order to grow and to continue and Mm -hmm. like Don said, to survive, she needs to move forward. Yeah, there's like three uh, fans who are like quite prominent in the first part of the film. And they, they for me, they're like the norms. Yeah, like the kind yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they can enjoy stuff and not be consumed by it. You know yes. what I mean? And, and at the start, they're like, oh, Mima's leaving. Oh, really? Yeah, she's going to be a, a, an actress. And they're like, oh, metamorphosis, you know, the old oh, singers don't make any money. So yeah. I do believe it's that growth. I do believe it, it's moving on. You can probably read from leaving the, the, the sticks and going into the country uh, sorry the, the city, city is a, yeah another growth you know what I mean yeah sorry I just wanted to comment on that accent thing so I did notice it um no. but I didn't see it as like any kind of symbolism I just thought it was very realistic because I've seen this in like so many people I, I probably do it myself when I talk to my mom I have a different slightly different voice I think we all do it it depends on who we're talking to um we have we have uh, slightly different accents or tones. Um, but I have some friends that it's uh, so very clear. Um, <laughs> uh, sorry, calling you out on this podcast, not that you necessarily listen to it. <laughs> but uh, one of my friends is Scottish and has a, a London accent because they've grown up in, in London. Uh, but when they talk to their family, it's immediately Scottish <laughs> accent, and it's like it's just a like it's like someone flips a switch, and uh, yeah, so like people do it anyway, and I don't like I didn't see it as like a persona thing. I just saw it as like a really realistic thing that that people do anyway, <laughs> wasn't it? Because I thought the exact same thing. Like you know, we're in an animation where everything's a conscious choice, nothing's by accident. I love that they they included that like symbolism or not symbolism it was such a nice touch in my mind definitely yeah yeah and just uh the idea that this film being made in 1997 but being so relevant and we've mentioned already the idea that you have this yeah just like what does it say about like your celebrity and fandom because it for me it's almost it brought up this idea of people like fans and you obviously we saw like the the extreme end of that but uh thinking they own the persona Mm -hmm. because when she wanted to change it's like whoa we can't do that because this is who you are this is who i'm comfortable with you being yeah and for like the stalker i just was not 
comfortable <laughs> with a change and then it immediately goes to like traitor so that you've you you've yeah you turned your back on who i believe you to be and it's it's a weird thing because in that case it was you know they were a an idol group and they had you know management and they were um i think there was some idea of like touring or going sort of places but you get that today with anyone who has any kind of sort of decent size social media following at least in their circles then it becomes like okay this is who i project into the world who we definitely see that with, with social media <laughs> yeah. and then your followers saying this is who you are so here's your almost like here's your box <laughs> you can't yeah. you can't leave your box unless we unless we allow it and it's just yeah that's what kind of that's the kind of thoughts that um that came to my mind while i was watching it why it just feels it's just infinitely relevant even though you know there were it was clearly like the the, the dawning of of the internet um age but still yeah other than that it was very relevant yeah no i i, I totally got the same same sort of like thoughts hit my hit my head just like reflected on on like my own personal life and then people that i follow even down to like groups uh, you get like when someone leaves the the group content and everyone's like oh my god it's not the same without this one person or yeah. like um as if people's lives don't change and adapt and and like you can't just go back to the old content and like even down to like how people do do that thing where they put you in a box regardless of what you say to them as well like they pick and choose the parts mm -hmm. uh, that they think are relevant which I think happens in this you sort of see as she's changing even as she's like doing the interviews and it's like oh no like I was the when they're when they're writing the blog it's like oh I was forced to say this da, da, da. Mm. and like them not them having this idea of who she is and not even taking her word for for what it is like no you're you're wrong about yourself <laughs> yeah because it's always been cast in their mind it's, yeah yeah and there's such a like brilliant shot like earlier on when uh the when the stalker was because he started off as like a some kind of security for yeah. Yeah. Show, at least that's where he was and he had that shot where he kind of he held his hand up uh and sort of viewing Mima as almost like a I don't know like a possession like a, like a doll yeah. on a, on a, like a music like a spinning box yeah yeah exactly like, yeah. and that's such that just said everything yeah in that, that was one. such a good shot that really yeah. like just um got to the point and like yeah like you instantly knew who that character was from that introductory shot one thing I I liked about that scene very quickly sorry um I'm not sure I think you said that you've watched the English version it's one thing that does change a little bit uh, watching it between the languages is the song that they're singing right at the start, um, Angel of Love. It's this fluffy little song and it's it's an earworm. I, I confess I have it on my, uh, <laughs> on my playlist. But the lyrics in it um, is basically saying, um, oh, you should pursue the one you love. And in English, it sounds a lot softer and it's like, you know, when you love them, love them. And then they love you too. It's great. And it's all this happy fluffiness. But if you look, listen to it in the original Japanese, it says you have to push it, push it and be more aggressive. It's almost like he interprets this as talking to, to him. It's like, oh, I love you, but you need to try harder for me and you need to push it and push it and be more aggressive. Mm. So I always felt like when we've got that shot of her dancing in his hand and those lyrics playing, I was like, oh, this is so creepy. Yeah, Because yeah. I really thought like it was a bit, 
creepy like it and like he felt like that song was was to him and so you saying that that the uh the japanese version is like extra aggressive in that sort of pursuit of love is a uh, like really extra frames it um so that's really interesting man and i'm uh, just uh loving hearing the different interpretations because like i said i didn't know what was going on by <laughs> by the end but but uh, i like that and especially the the final third because there's a point where you just it's hard it was hard to distinguish what was real mm. uh, and what wasn't and i love that like ambiguity ambiguity to it because it gets you it gets you thinking and especially when it's done intentionally you would you know there can be times where it's like it's unintentional it's not as good but you get a film and a story that's very much open to interpretation and the way it's done as well because so Mima as she starts her acting career she goes into this uh, production for Double Blind and the way that is used to add to the confusion so it turns out that Double Blind is a series about detectives chasing a killer that is having a, a personality disorder a psychosis yeah a, multi, a, yeah, a multiple personality multiple, disorder yeah which means then the the scenes from double blind kind of mirror and are used to de- transition from the reality of what Mima is going through so for her it just adds to her confusion but then the way it works for the viewer is like because there are moments where you know there's 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 parts where she's um she's walking and then i think that the other agent comes to her and asked like you know you can be a model and oh, this is around the time where she yeah. was she, she didn't did the photo shoot that one gets me every time for some reason yeah. and you just thought that it's that was so that was real branded. but then it's like cut and like whoa okay and then later on even the scene in the strip club there's you're watching is like because and it, it did it so well it's like there were moments where you can see you know an action and cut but mm. as it progressed it was like wait is this is this real or not yeah. and then at the end where the the murder i think it was the murder in that same same stage yeah but then because it, it matches so well it's like wait is she what who yeah <laughs> i did <laughs> like, i was like it's, there was points where i was like i'm not sure what's real and what's not like i really was fully fully sort of like in it for the ride like i was I was in the story because it was so well well done at the confusion. Um, I like that that initial when they are filming that like rape scene. Um, she like the actor that's like the the, the guy. aggressor is a yeah like they cut and they're like in this really awkward yeah like, hold. yeah hold hold we've got to move the cameras and like doing extra work like totally know how that is and then he like he's like oh sorry and she's just like oh no it's fine and then when you have like flashbacks that i don't know it's just this really well done blend of like that pause but then her mind's going a bit getting a bit confused and and it just like slowly descends. At the end of the day, I mean, even if it is, we make it's very clear to us that this is being filmed. This is not really happening to her. But the fact is, it doesn't change the fact this is a very real trauma. Like what she's going through is is trauma. And it's very clearly affecting her during the filming, even though she does have those moments of, oh no, it's okay, I'm okay. And don't worry about it. But 
it just makes it all the more painful to watch, I think. Yeah, I mean, that scene in particular, like you said, like the director's like, okay, cut, we're going to shift the cameras. They, they all look awkward. And yeah. yeah, it's it's obvious it's it's not really going on. It's not happening. But like when it's being recorded and like <sighs> the whole method of, of going to somewhere else in your head mm-hmm. and she thinks, thinks about, you know, being an idol, being when it was all nice and cheery and all that kind of stuff. It, if anything, it's, it's it is assault on her mind persona, and that is probably the first like kick to it. Yeah. I mean, like, and then immediately following that up as well, you know, her manager looks dead awkward. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, um, okay, and even Rumi, Rumi, yeah, Rumi like sobbing. Out, sobbing. But then you kind of understand, like, on first watch, I took that as you know she's caring for me and then sort of distressed. But then on like looking back you're like oh okay maybe that that was the right reaction but maybe for the wrong yeah yeah, maybe for the wrong reasons i think that was interesting as well because the uh the male manager i think before that he was like oh it's just like it's just a thing it's not real and i'm watching that for him he was like oh wait a minute this is it's still it can still affect people and as well like i think a lot of this at least how i interpreted some of it was like the um the social commentary on like a woman's worth being related to like her body and her quote unquote purity, because it is kind of mentioned quite a few times that she's like been ruined and tarnished over a, like a not even real scene. Um, and it was just like that extra layer of like commentary on like, uh, which obviously is like really reinforced because she's gone from like pop idol uh, where you should be like the purest of the pure and <laughs> should not be touched by a man or just about looked at, you know, <laughs> to like this extent of like, you know, just real owning your own body and, and being in charge of what happens to it. Exactly. And it's, it's, it's such a ridiculous binary. And I mean, uh, we've all seen it in other things before where it's uh, you're either a virgin or you're tarnished, shall we say. Mm-hmm. So there's, in in this that we see that you know women in the spotlight or women in media we're not allowed to have healthy autonomy over our bodies or sexual autonomy over our bodies it's either Mm. pure virgin good awesome you are tarnished and you are a terrible human being forever and nothing even happened in this like yeah it was a very traumatic event but it it wasn't real and it doesn't matter um the idol mima now says oh no, nope, you're tarnished forever. You can never go back. You will be in the shadows forever now. Yeah, it's that f- like, like finality to it. Like never. It's oh, it's done. It's, it's it's over. I don't know how old she is in this, but you know, it's like you, the rest of your life, and it's like no, it's over, mm-hmm. like forever. Mm-hmm. So and I think that adds to her kind of her confusion, her doubt, because you know what she's doing kind of brings doubt, like. You know, in outside of a, a Satoshi Kon film, it would bring doubt anyway. And I do like that that was portrayed like, am I doing the right thing? And because yeah. she leaves the group, she then sees the group be more successful without her. So she's kind of wondering. And then the parts she's getting are small. Uh, her agent has to push for bigger, bigger parts. And then she has to do things which she, I, I guess, is not comfortable with but she does do them because she's like this is what i want to do and it sort of reflects that cause trouble she i think there's like one line where she's like oh they've already done so much i don't want to kick up a fuss yeah and i i kind of i understand that that 
like that feeling of like, yeah, am I doing the right thing? I don't want to like these people are giving me a chance. I don't want to have that taken away because I made a made some noise of a, something that is just normal in the industry. That that mm. kind of thing. So I like that that was represented uh, as well. And it's it's a struggle. So I did I did like the the ending where she did like I said she did seem settled yeah and and comfortable when there's you know to add to the <laughs> this part of interpretations that that we've got here is that it's the idea that you need to sort of you, you do have to struggle through things to to get to where you ultimately want to be and there was a line uh at the end where she about Rumi where it's like I can't remember what it was exactly but it was something along the lines of because of you I am who I am today yeah so I don't know how you all like interpreted that ending and, and what it meant for, yeah, what it meant for Mima. Oh, I got some feelings about that ending. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> so like, um, all right. So I can't, I can't 100% verify this one just because I don't have a good enough ear for Japanese. But um, I've heard it said that in the Japanese version, or at least in earlier versions of the film, when Miba looks into the, the car mirror right at the end and says, I'm the real me, I've heard that it's Rumi's voice actor that says the line. <laughs> oh, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> like I, said, <laughs> I can't verify we to, it. But... We have to stop this recording at some point. It's like <laughs> opened up. Of... <laughs> but I do find it really interesting that um, throughout the entire thing, we have um, an ongoing theme of Mima talking to her reflection, talking to the reflection yes. of the other Mima, and then even in one scene, her talking to Rumi through a reflection. And then I find it very interesting that the ending line is said by not Mima, but Mima's reflection. Mm. Oh. Mm. Well, well, my part yeah. is a bit more positive than yes. my, my interpretation, <laughs> right? So so we know, like, uh, essentially, red is a huge, It's let's just say it's, a, it's like a fuel color. It's a driving force. Influence. Whenever, Yeah, it's influence. And... Um, the, yeah, it, the ending of Double Bind, it, it mirrors the ending of the actual film and whatnot mm-hmm. with, you know, the people behind glass talking about this person who's not well. Mm-hmm. And this is what they feel that they've been going through. Yes. And as, you know, as Mima's piecing out, she goes into a red car. So I take that as like, right, it's a bright red car. She's in control of her life now. Mm-hmm. As she's yeah. like, and some nurses are like, oh, that's, that's, that's that big star. And they're like, yeah. she wouldn't be here. Now she's too big. Mm-hmm. So I feel like she's she's got a car. It's a driving force. It's it's willpower. It's whatever. Yeah. And she looks in the mirror, and it's like, yeah, she says those lines, but it's the fact that she can she she knows that persona. She yeah. can control that persona, mm-hmm. and she's going to use that persona to lead her to wherever she wants to go, wherever she wants to be. Because she and she doesn't have her her counselors, her devil, or angel anymore. Yeah. It, like it's all down mm-hmm. to her. So, it's just her. Yeah. So I believe it's like she's the superstar. She can turn off and on this persona whenever she likes, and. Yeah, she, she's, she's a big star in Japan now. now. She's happy now. She left it all behind. <laughs> <laughs> That's the end of Pavita. I, I like that. That's what I was going with. That's what I, but I feel like what Lois said, I'm now I'm not going to be able to sleep and I'm going to be thinking about it. But I thought because, yeah, like you say, the red car. So that to me, like control, I'm, I'm taking control uh, and I'm in control of the situation and the way the people reacted to her. So I was like, okay, she's she's found her way like she had to go through some some things but she's kind of found a way as for Rumi obviously it didn't end too well for for her but mm. the like oh, you brought up the the mirroring um the the glass because even in the fight with Rumi 
Rumi's like um, I was going to say killed she was obviously not killed but she was like stabbed by broken glass mm-hmm. and you have those moments where um, what I really again sort of the visuals of um, Mima talking to the projection of herself as Rumi dressed up as the idol Mima but then looking in the mirror and seeing the real Rumi and just that whole <laughs> kind of thing just again this is this was like re- right at the end when i'm like i don't i don't know what's going on i love it i don't know what's real i'm not looking in any glass like again um but yeah just like that visual kind of storytelling um aspect of it cool i i kind of interpreted but right at the end when Romy is stabbed and that's kind of the thing that jars everything back into reality at least for a short time i kind of saw that as what Rumi was trying to move towards just does not exist. It's a delusion. She can't yeah. possibly metamorphosize into becoming Mima because it is just a delusion. Whereas Mima, she faces herself, she faces Rumi, and she can move forward knowing she is herself. Yeah, that's probably yeah. why she, you know, she probably saved Rumi at the end who was like, went out, stumbled out into the middle of the road and is like, using the blood on her face yeah. but it's 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 still the persona that's there mm-hmm. and I'm guessing she saw the the lights as a sort of like stage light yeah, lights exactly. the transition into like being that forever and, and Mima snapping her out of it you know it's I mean like... just tackling out of the road mm-hmm. but yeah I was really sorry for her when she has that moment of looking at herself with the shud oh uh, god yeah I think like that ending as well I wrote Donovan on this one I even even with the new added information I feel like (laughs) that if it is Rumi's voice actor it's more of a case of because she has said oh like oh uh you made me who I am today or whatever along those lines that it's kind of like uh Mima's taken that persona that Rumi had and used it for herself if that makes sense and and it's now a tool uh, of her understanding different personas um, and how she can use them rather than it being like a, a negative thing, I guess. Oh, guys, happy interpretation. More like, you remember when uh, she bumps into, near the end, she bumps into the actress of Double Bind, the, yes. the star. Oh, Eric, yeah. Yeah, like, said, oh, you can stop dreaming now. Yeah. 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 Like, sure, that's another notch on it. She's, she snaps into her actors sure. and, yeah, you come on. You guys that, sure. <laughs> no i like to have it <laughs> but um so much to take away from there this. is so so many things in this film and i feel like there's so many layers and so many messages you can take from it like i feel like i have multiple interpretations from it depending on like i could watch this film in different ways depending on what i need from it like um, what I need to find comfort in or what I need to find find guidance in. I feel like it's got it all in a very confusing package. <laughs> Listen, there's still parts of the film that me and Donovan still discuss because we don't, we're not sure. Like, mm. do you know, the? I think it's the third murder, the pizza guy, which is, oh my goodness, oh, brutal. We weren't sure if that one was Mamania or Rumi because where the clothes, um, all of them end up in Mima's room. I think that only Rumi could have got them in there, whereas Donovan's convinced yeah. it was Mamania. I thought it was Mamania because he, um, he, can, yeah, we worked in security, so I'm guessing he, he has a whole lot of temp jobs. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also, I also thought that 
it could also be him because um, there's a little bit, oh, I forgot where it is. I think it's when Mima goes to her first acting gig mm-hmm. and there's a bit of, she walks through, she's in the lobby, she goes into the elevator and there's a bit of paper left oh my God, on the yeah. elevator. On the elevator, yeah. It says like, oh, this hooligan got busted up. And she looks outside and... and, and He's just yeah, there. He's there smiling. There yeah. yeah, this guy gets around. So yes, like, he does. He yeah. does. He's, yeah, he's got that like Japan travel pass. So I, mine's like a combination with that murder. So like it went through like different, you know, as the film progresses, like really like different... Because it kind of was sitting with me right towards the end. Like, who done that murder? I was so confused. <laughs> and it blended in so well with the with the like with the TV series they were filming, right? So I think it was uh Mimar- Mimamia. And I think but I think Rumi planted it. Mm. I think it was a joint okay. like she a was controlling joint him. mission, yeah. Or like, yeah, like I definitely think it was a joint mission there. <laughs> <laughs> and like at first I was like Adam and his mommy and then it was in her room and I was like that's really confusing like there's not any point that he's crossed that line and then and I was like because at that point I was like well maybe she is doing it and then you know you finally I can get into the end and then I was like as, as soon as I found out that it was Rumi all along that was like this persona and doing the sort of more controlling side of things I was like oh okay it would make sense it was a joint effort on that point and maybe maybe a point that um he was acting on his own but then Rumi was like no this can be used to an advantage it could definitely now that I think more into it like um, there are parts where uh, Mima, she seems to be skipping back and forth on the, on the same day, like waking up in in, in yeah. a room, which could mm-hmm. be Rumi's room, and um, drinking some tea. And she could be getting knocked out. And, yeah. And, and um, uh, what's what she called that? I keep forgetting that. Oh, Rumi. Yeah, Rumi might be like re- replaying the same day. So mm-hmm. with that time that she's being downed, you know, she's, she's done the deed, hid the clothes. That's true. And made a find herself. I've heard a few people say that about the tea, that, you know, when she's around Rumi, she's sitting having this tea yeah. and every like, chance she could be drugging her. Like things. Yeah, I did think at the end, like I had a thing like, was she being drugged? This is another reason why I want to watch it again and like see if there's moments that she can be drugged. Yeah, I, I think so. Because like um, her, her Rumi disappears when, when the uh, rape scene happens. Rumi disappears for like a few days on end, mm-hmm. and then as soon as she comes back, and you know she's uh, Mima's in Rumi's handle. You know, what I mean? yeah. Everything starts to get really overlapped and really yes. sort of confusing from there. So I, I do think that like, she's she's being drugged or something like that. Obviously, her mental state is is deteriorating, but mm-hmm. I feel there's an extra boost from. Yeah, like I I think the same thing. I feel like her mental state's deteriorating, but Rumi's like a uh, encouraging it. Encouraging, yeah. Just like um, Mimania is already that kind of stalker character but being used by Rumi to yeah she's like the accelerant of exactly everything. yeah exactly um and because I've been like I really relate to this on so many levels but like I've been in that state of like you know when your days just start to blend together and I have really realistic dreams so I've been in that state of like really where I've had to like work loads or something like uh back to back and just like been in a state of like not knowing what's real and what's not and like thankfully not in any kind of like horrible <laughs> way you know uh very normal bland stuff happening day to day and like not 
really like, like not knowing what's real, what I've said to people, what I've not said yet to people. And um, yeah, and like, I really felt that. <laughs> it, it really draws you in though. I mean, again, reading the some of the notes uh, Con had on the film, he said he set out with the writer to specifically give a feeling of almost being drunk, like being inebriated, like get so foggy watching this mm. film. Even if you watched it multiple times, you'll still have that same fogginess, the fo- a fogginess of like, wait, what? Where are we again? Why are we back? Why are we back in the room? Why is this different? Absolutely, yeah. Why we're here again and again and again? Wait, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, is is again is like so well done. And I love the. I mean, we said it uh, already, like that intentional confusion. But that's like really what I like about stories. You can tell like different stories, and if you're really good at it, you can make people have these experiences that I wasn't expecting mm. but just enjoyed so much um even though I don't know where I ended up uh <laughs> at at the end of it so so yeah I think I would love to hear what other people think about kind of the interpretations I don't know how many we got to I'm sure there were many more uh we could have interpreted from from this film but definitely let us know your thoughts as always you can send us uh, your feedback on this episode's story or just any other story we're going to be talking out about through season three of the podcast so speaking of sort of confusion misdirection uh, and all that i'm going to go into this week's storytelling tip each time we do a deep dive on the podcast i try to pull out a storytelling tip for other people to consider when making their stories. So what I like to say is like, it's not an expert view, but a practitioner's view. So one of the great reasons I like about um, doing this podcast is you get to have these different discussions with uh, with people. So again, uh, thank you, Lauren Donovan, and apologies uh, for doubting you. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you also get to look at stories from an analytical kind of viewpoint and, and trying to think how they how they work and how uh, myself as a story creator can use those techniques. So for today, the thing I wanted to sort of pull out and, and discuss was this idea of foreshadowing and misdirection. So as I mentioned, I was just impressed with the way uh, Satoshi Kon made use of both these techniques to create this idea or this feeling of unpredictability uh, in Perfect Blue. And he would like set up moments that hint at things to come only to like throw you off and leave you just as confused as the protagonist Mima. So when we talk about foreshadowing, it's this uh, technique where you're giving your, your audience um, whether it's like watching or reading, you're giving a a hint at to what may be coming in your story. And the challenge is to to hint, but not signpost. So you want to give enough clues to keep people interested and intrigued, but not necessarily spell things out uh, and take away that discovery from them. So with the best examples, you'll only get the true meaning once everything has been revealed. Or maybe not, because as we just like discussed. But um, so an example I've I think everyone has seen is the the Sixth Sense, where uh, M Night Shyamalan uses foreshadowing to indicate that Bruce Willis's character Malcolm was dead the entire time. So you see it in lines like uh, when uh, the young boy uh, Cole says, "The dead people he sees don't actually know that they're dead." Or the fact that Malcolm is following around this young boy everywhere and no one seems to acknowledge his existence or any kind of weirdness there. 
but uh, the right amount of foreshadowing. So it's about not giving away the plot, but helping to build that tension, hinting at what may be coming and ensures that the plot twist doesn't come out of the blue. Uh, see what I did there, blue. Um, and, <laughs> and confuse everyone or even annoy your audience because you get those moments where something just happens out of convenience and hasn't been built up properly and it kind of lets people down. So with misdirection, it's, it's something that relies on like human knowledge and logic to of the way the world works. So, you know, if you've ever been to a, a good magic show, once upon a time when we went to shows, you have the idea of like distracting the audience with the likelihood of one outcome and then shocking them with a completely unexpected one. So again, with the sixth sense, you kind of have that plot twist and misdirection, but it's not just about creating something for the shock value. So you can have a kind of more long tail misdirection, something like Captain America, the Winter Soldier, where we see Bucky Barnes, who's been brainwashed to serve as a Hydra agent in that antagonist role, but then by the end sort of reverts to his his role of the ally um, for Captain America. And what I like about misdirections is that it can challenge that that common understanding of the way the world works or even stereotypes and makes us re-examine our views, um, past experience, places, people, all that thing. So I think for uh, for me, one of the things that I really liked in, in Perfect Blue, there are many uh, examples uh, of it we've already talked about the the use of red uh the use of the the stalker character the way now now we know people's eyes <laughs> which i didn't pick up but that whole thing and in the way like double blind um was was used to mirror what's happening in the in the real world so all that is like to throw off off the scent of rumi as the killer because of the role she plays so we assume because of she's uh, Mima's agent she has her best interests at heart and because of this creepy looking stalker he must be the the bad guy he must be the only one kind of doing that so even though the pieces were all there we don't necessarily put them together until the very end um, and the last thing I was saying that is that one of the things that we didn't mention earlier but uh, I just love the idea of the opening scene used to convey the themes of the story. And I'll probably save this for like a future episode to talk more about. But if you remember the opening scene where you have these heroes fighting an unseen enemy, only to like pull back and be revealed that one, the enemy isn't there. And two, it's not even real anyway. It's all an act. And that opening scene just like perfectly kind of tells you what's happening. But still you don't even get it so <laughs> a few tips to help you make use of foreshadowing and misdirection in your stories uh, number one is to understand your story's themes so i bring this up a lot but it really does matter and these different techniques can't really be used unless you properly understand what your story is about uh, number two the use of symbols whether it's things in dialogue in action um, things that hint at what may be coming over the course of your story and you can do this to build that interest and tension number three is to draw attention to foreshadowing but don't signpost so it's a tough balance but you want to make the misdirection kind of be seen but feel earned so you, it kind of it feels right when at that moment when you do kind of shift gears and and take the story into a different place uh, and number four is not to force the misdirection and only use it when it serves the plot of your story so again that kind of ties back to understanding what your story's themes are and building that misdirection that foreshadowing to kind of 
fit in with that story, not just one in the there for for shock value. So yeah, so that is your that is your tip. Um, there'll be a video version of this storytelling tip later on YouTube. But as always, you can send us your tips and we'll read them out on the show, whether it's a comic, manga, game, book or something else. You can always send your feedback to feedback at myamada.com or join our Discord and chat with us there. So that's the tip for this episode. Uh, Tazzy, let's check in with news about what our guests are up to. Yeah, so really interesting um, episode. Thank you for recommending Perfect Blue to us. <laughs> We're super happy that you guys decided to watch it just based off our recommendation. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I'm, wait, wait, easy here. We're just the, the, the suggestion. <laughs> the suggestion box is open always. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I just believe people should experience as much as they can when it comes to uh, filmography, and mm-hmm. this is honestly in, in top five of my my thrillers and. If you can take anything from it, any part of it, even if it's just a shooting or filming technique, yes. it, you know, it's, it's, it's wonderful to, to sort of enjoy. And um, I love the fact that this is um, what you might even call it analog animation. It's mm. so old school and there's, it's nice to look back sometimes and see something uh, that was published a long time ago for us maybe, but still very relevant to current storytelling. Yes. I, I love uh, older animation so much. Mm. Um, <laughs> But yeah, like, what are you, have you got any um, interesting projects coming up? What have you been up to in terms of creating? Well, we've been busy with the wonderful Melanin Gamers mm-hmm. and they have some really, really cool stuff coming up yeah. already in place. It's, uh, we're currently doing a, a hell of a lot for Black History Month. Yes. Uh, so we're kind of spotlighting uh, creatives mm-hmm. and uh, streamers within the community. Mm-hmm. So we're doing one particular, well, two main particular things, which is the one-on-one series. And that's showcasing a lot of uh, technical sort of skills uh, that you can you can easily pick up and learn. And um, mm-hmm. we also uh, sort of like point out to particular people where you can uh, learn these skills from. Yes. Like recently we had people doing coding. Uh, I think we've got some people coming up to do web design. So if you want to learn some technical skills, we have that series up there. Uh, my favorite was actually... Um how to make emotes for twitch which oh yeah fantastic. no that was really good oh, nice. that was really wonderful yeah. um then we also have kind of on the opposite side of things rather than technical skills more self-care mm-hmm. we have the uh sunday self-care series which is focusing on well-being uh you can learn things like uh, meditation health general fitness we had a fantastic um content producer literally leading live yoga which yeah. was amazing didn't know, uh, didn't know no. your leg could bend that way, but I'm learning stuff. You know? It was, it was great for me to watch, but uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll take part <laughs> next time. But yeah, we're doing, we're doing a whole bunch of showcases. It's just, you know, it, we're all stuck in right now. Yes. Uh, hopefully, when you're listening to this, no matter like if it's in the near future or further on, I hope you're outside. Me too. But you know, we, we've got this going on, so you can keep active. You can build up on a really good habit, mm-hmm. and when things turn to normal, you know, you've got you. You can you can meditate. You can do yoga. You can code. You know, you can do illustrations, and that's what we're really wanting to to bring into the forefront and and, and let um, people in the community uh, sort of embrace. Yes, absolutely. And where is everyone able to find these projects? Uh, so you, if you head over to our website, that's uh, melaningamers.co.uk, uh, 
um, you can join the Discord. It, it's totally free. You know, we don't charge anybody or anything like that. Absolutely not. And if you want to see what we're all about first, um, check out um, our Twitch channel, Melanie Gamers, mm-hmm. uh, over on Twitch. Do a quick search. You'll find us straight away. Same with the socials. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on Instagram under the same names. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, you can, you know what, you can find pretty much everything from the website. So yeah. the website's a good place to start. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, when we're not doing these showcases, uh, we have regular streamers on. So just regular people, just 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 playing games, mm-hmm. just talking, all sorts of little different different sort of things. So if you want to check us out, you know, Google check out Melon and Gamers. Gamers. Yeah. There we go. Well, thank you very much uh, for joining us today. You're always welcome. It's always a pleasure having you on. It's oh. absolutely wonderful yeah. to be here. It's so much fun getting to talk about these films with you guys. I, I feel like I've somehow coerced you into doing this. <laughs> I have been annoying Nigel with like, I can, with me, I can send it on VHS. I can yeah, send it on Carrier yeah. Pigeon DVD. <laughs> Mes- message received. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's been honestly a joy to talk to you guys. So if uh if you want to talk about, you know, uh Street Fighter the Live Action movie on an extended podcast, I'm always available. Uh we will let me I'll check with our yeah. Uh, yeah, let me get back to you on that. So <laughs> um but yeah, no, thank you for being here. And uh yeah, if you've enjoyed listening to this episode of Story X Story, please do make sure you subscribe because we have a bunch more episodes coming for season three over the course of the year. You can also uh give us a review uh, on Apple Podcasts. I hear that's a thing. Uh, do that. That will help us reach new people, new fans of stories and deep dive discussions. Uh, also, um, sponsors. Again, I haven't forgotten about that. If you're out, if you're out there, get in touch. Um, so we also make our own stories. As I mentioned, we have a new title, Serious Through the Fog, that is coming in spring. We also have uh, three, four four different titles currently on our website myamatter.com forward slash manga and if you are a fan of video games you can join our discord uh, get the heads up on when we do our next gamepad online event as well as our studio 77 membership stuff um, that will also be on twitch as well so you can uh, watch it uh, when it goes up online so yeah that is our episode stay tuned for more from season three of the podcast including creative interviews video game discussions and deep dives into stories across pop culture you can always give us a shout directly our email address is feedback at myamada.com and our website with links to subscribe is myamada.com forward slash story x story so until next time stay tuned stay safe and none of this happened anyway so go back to sleep. <laughs> take care everyone